Support the podcast by buying a copy of The Fortress of Shadow by Eric Kent Edstrom. That's me. Available on Apple, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and someplace else. Amazon, that would be the one. Also available in paperback. Chapter 17. Ragged Chasm Split Henley Mast stepped from the carriage outside the baths of Ori, boots squelching into the winter slush. A fresh snowfall had descended overnight and covered the dome and tower like sweet-bake frosting. He groaned and put his hands on his lower back to help him straighten. Sleeping in the warren hadn't been the smartest idea. Ever seen so much snow, sir, the driver said. Be long? I don't know. Best return them to the barn. He paid the driver, then proceeded up the steps to the dome of the gentle goddess. It was indeed warm inside, thanks in part to the many braziers surrounding the three pools, but also due to the pools themselves, which lifted tendrils of steam into the air. A sensual with very dark skin waited at a desk just inside. The way of Ori received citizens here at all hours, especially the elderly seeking succor for their aches and pains in the pools. It was more unusual for a young man like Henley, who had just recently turned sixteen. Ori's blessing, the woman said. I'm Sen's tot. I'm Henley Mast. I need to see Finta Song. She knows me. Finta is not of the way. I know that. I also know that she's the voluptuary's sister, and that she has likely not left her bedside since events in Dunmeadow Plaza. I have important things to discuss with Finta, urgent for the realm. This did not impress the sensual in the slightest. She narrowed her gaze, scrutinizing him down to the bone. Huff, please find Finta, he sent. The cat had slunk into the dome behind him and kept to the shadows. Henley had worried this would happen, that he'd be stalled at the door. He'd been a guest here once before, under the protection of the voluptuary. That meant all the sensuals knew of his friendship with Kyla, and she was not well thought of among the way these days. Huff sent back a frisson of irritation since he was already sneaking off. He knew where the voluptuary's rooms were, having explored the baths from kitchens to belfry. That's as may be, Tot said icily. It is not our practice to admit shady interlopers into the voluptuary's presence. Henley had met many folk from the island nation of Iops. They had been uniformly friendly, even jolly. Of course, most he'd met had been sailors on his short stint, aboard one of his father's merchant ships. But he'd never encountered one so irritable as this woman. I stayed here for days and days. I've met you before. And, she arched an eyebrow. He sighed and shook his head in mock defeat. I won't trouble you further, sensual tot. May I enjoy the warmth of the dome for a while before I leave? She couldn't refuse him that. Nobody was refused admission to the dome unless they were causing a disturbance to the quietude of the place. Even cheapskaters were welcome here. Unfortunately for them, they were not allowed in Grissonside, which made accessing the baths rather a challenge. 
He ambled around the periphery of the dome, mostly to irritate the watchful sensual. He used the opportunity to consider his meeting with Quiv earlier this morning. The man had been perplexed, vexed, and anxious to learn that Eeples was no longer in Starside. You might check the Durslin wheel, Henley had said as a parting thought. It's the only place I think would escape my notice. He didn't think Eeples had gone there. Even if his Donesmaster chaperone had been willing to go, the man would certainly not have the skill to open a portal there. Henley tended to agree with highest quiv. Eeples had either been abducted or he'd schemed with someone who could get him out of Starside quickly. The door is closed, Huff sent, his presence deep in the complex of wards and halls. Show me. The cat's sight came instantly. Henley was ready for the disorientation of having his vision filled with what Huff was seeing and from Huff's perspective close to the floor. It no longer made him want to sick up his last meal, but he did have to reach for a column to steady himself. Look the other way, he sent. Huff's vision spun to look down the hall leading to the voluptuary's quarters, wide, lushly carpeted, with side tables laden with bronze statuary, mostly of the goddess Ori in her various poses of allure, anger, haughtiness, adoration, and so on. Close by, he spotted something that would serve his needs. A service cart stood on the other side of the hall. A few goblets and plates were on it, food brought for the voluptuary, Finta, and whoever was on nursing duty. Food, Huff sent. You can eat what you find, but first, knock those goblets off the cart. That'll bring someone. Then you can slip through the door when they— Huff jumped, and Henley reeled in response— Huff tiptoed over empty platters and a silver bowl containing a heel of bread. Disappointment flowed through the bond. They ate it all. Your kind is worse than hounds. Just knock the goblet off. Huff swatted one and it tumbled off the cart. The cat's sight conveyed all the sounds Huff heard as well as the smells. That bread would be very good, though Huff felt nothing but disdain for it. Another, Henley sent. Huff complied. I'm good at this. I don't see why you get mad when I do this in other circumstances. The door to the voluptuary's quarters opened. Huff darted from the cart and slipped between skirted legs. A surprised eek arose and then cut off. Huff, you lovely darling, came a quavery voice. It's you. Oh, come here, you sweet little baby. Let Finta squitch your wee little chin-chin. Henley's vision blurred as Finta picked Huff up by the scruff and smothered him with squeezes and kisses. The distinct spicy smell of Finta's song came keenly through the bond. Huff squirmed free and went back to the door. With tail high, he uttered a demanding meow. Finta cackled and followed. Sen's tot glowered at Henley when Finta's song swept into the dome, the Iopsy woman clearly did not like either of them. Finta took hold of Henley's shoulders and pecked his cheek. My, my, you're looking right fine, and I hear you've become quite the merculin. Henley liked the ancient woman, but there was something stormy behind the cheery greeting. She was all in black. 
According to Kyla, the woman had worn mourning dress since her husband had died long ago. Her face was a mass of wrinkles, all bunched up around smiling eyes and lips. She was known to be a great healer, a master of weed and seed, concocting all manner of brews and tinctures to soothe whatever ailed those in her lower terracide neighborhood. But she was also voluptuary Sinlop's sister. Is Kylo well? Finta asked, guiding Henley to a bench. Last I saw her, but she's not happy. I wonder if she'll ever get a chance to be so. The smile firmed into something less cheery. Her father was the same. Henley called to Huff through the bond, a strange sense coming over him that they may need to leave in a hurry. Odd. There didn't seem to be any threat here except for the habitually displeased Sen's tot. Kyla may have nearly killed my sister, Finta's voice was tight. I know she did not mean to, but... What is must not be denied, Henley finished. That is why Sen's tot treats me like I just escaped the West Bunk. Finta huffed. That one would be better suited for Don't's Master's robes if they took women into their order. What a sour apple. But, yes, my sister was well respected here, but now the sensual smell of vacancy at the top, and they can't but yearn to take my sister's place. She leaned closer to Henley. Word has come from the garden. All followers of Ori are ordered to find and capture Kyla. Have you noticed there are five sensuals in the dome with us now? Henley hadn't paid the others here much attention, but now he noticed the visitors had all dried off and departed, leaving only sensuals and a few older novitiates. They were busy cleaning up towels or mopping splashes. They intend to trap me here, don't they? She nodded. Fools, they think they can use you to lure Kyla. Kyla has gone to Teerling for a Shadline Armory. They may have to wait a while. But since I'm staying, is there a place more comfortable for us to talk? I have some questions. She leaned back, surprised. You mean to let them capture you? I doubt they could combine their powers enough to keep me from leaving, if I desired to do so. But I'm happy to let them believe their plan is working if I can continue to speak with you. Cackling, the woman led him deeper into the baths of Ori, finally coming to the voluptuary's quarters. The cart and fallen goblet had been removed. Would you like to see her? The voluptuary's bedchamber was bright and quiet. Incense smoldered on the bedside table, sending blue snakes of smoke to the ceiling. The smell was thick and cloying. The woman Henley owed his life to lay on the bed, a thin sheet over her. A mask of mud covered her face, and two strange flower blossoms rested on her eyelids. It reminded Henley of his mother's wake. He shivered. Is she quelled? he asked. Merculans were easy to recognize by the haze of their potential power, unless quelled or actively masked. No, Senzrena tells me her power has fled, I'm no Merculin. Come, let's have tea in the other room. The tea was minty, which Henley did not like. He sipped at it anyway. Huff sat on Finta's lap and luxuriated in her gentle attention. 
How did word to capture Kyla come from the garden? Has a ship come? Now that is curious, Finta said. A spinster arrived yesterday. She met with a few sensuals, then left. Coin code, Henley said, nodding absently. I'm not surprised that Coin and Lena and voluptuary men are working together to catch Kyla. They tried to promise bind her before we left there. Finta set her cup down. But they failed. They failed. Voluptuary men wanted Kyla to vow to use her power only for healing. By the light shades, that would be the ruin of us all. Kyla must choose from within her own heart what course she will take. The force of destiny already herds her toward the culmination. How could those women be so stupid? You didn't see what Kyla did. I understand why they want her promise-bound. I disagree with them, but I understand it. Finta sighed in relief, then offered him a flat smile. You are honest in your thinking, young man, but do not make the mistake of believing those who oppose you will be so fair-minded. And if they use coin-talkers to spread this message, then Kyla must be wary wherever she goes. The ways of Paul and Ori will not be her allies. Strange that you mention that. Highest Quiv helped us escape. I never thought I'd see the day when I trusted Donesmaster more than I do a sensual. Strange times. Strange and fraught. I had hoped the voluptuary was awake. I promised Highest Quiv I'd ask her a favor on his behalf. He would send a reader to the library here to research Elnissian magic. Elnissian? I would think his own libraries would have the most resources on that topic, which they declared wrong not that long ago. A figure stepped from a corner. Henley spilled his tea as he leapt up, already dropping his mercosine mask. Hold, Henley, Fenta said. It's only Yika. He had seen the Alnasi woman once before, in a dark alley, when she had been beating Kyla into submission. Hooded and veiled, she was a tense bundle of killing power. Her gray eyes stabbed at him, confronted him. She did not have the bearing of a friend. Huff sent cautious alertness through the bond, which helped to slow his rapid heartbeat. Henley Mast, you will come with me. She turned and strode from the room, heading back to the voluptuary's bedchamber. Heal her. I, I don't have Kyla's skill. Heal her. He looked to Finta for guidance. The ancient woman merely blinked. Henley moved to the bedside and gathered his mercus. He was skilled with mind bolts, having learned them firsthand from the Hargath's intrusions. Taking Finta's silence for permission, he plunged into the voluptuary's mind. There was nothing there. A void. At the periphery, the energy of the body hummed. It kept the heart beating, the chest rising and falling. The absence of anything else chilled him. He wanted nothing more than to retreat. Kyla had done this, not intending to. She had merely ripped the Hargath's bond from the woman's mind. It should not have drained everything away. He had enough sensitivity to see the flow of blood through the body, saw how it permeated the brain. It still lived, 
but could it be restored to wakefulness? The mind usually appeared to Henley as a landscape, as if he were a bird flying above a person's thoughts. There were clouds, seas, firm land, but here, darkness. He knew it was not the actual mind he saw, but a representation, his own imagination making sense of the incomprehensible. Light. It was a thought in his mind, and then it was a lantern beam in the darkness of the voluptuaries. And there lay the terrain, clear, still, barren, but not without contour. The surface was not where the true mind existed. The Hargath had always plunged deep, boring inward to find the fears and secrets he so desired. And deeper still lay the connection a Merculin had to the subtle world of the Mercusine. That was where the Hargath latched and suckled upon the flows meant for another. Henley dove more gently than his teacher. All was blackness, but not as still as the surface. Here, the disconnected thoughts of a mind deeply asleep rose and fell on susurrating waves. She was alive. Perhaps deep in a dream she barely noticed. He went deeper. In the center of the voluptuary's mind, a ragged chasm split what should have been whole. In the pit was a blackness so complete it made the surrounding lightlessness appear gray. The void within the void pulled at Henley, bringing terror into his own mind. He knew with absolute certainty that to be sucked into that blackness would be to surrender himself to an eternity of hollow suffering. And that was where the voluptuary was. Her only hope for release was the death of her body, and even that would not guarantee escape. He recoiled from the horror and opened his eyes. She is beyond my reach. Shivering, he stepped away from the bed. There is no hope, Ika asked. The steeliness in her eyes did not soften with the words. I would never say that, but... You withhold something, Finta said. Speak it. I know of only one being who might have insights I do not. Flamishdak, Huff sent, hopping onto the voluptuary's bed. Yes, yes, yes. There is no man in Starside more capable than me, Finta said. And with Kyla away, no woman. I do not speak of a man or woman. Flamishdak. Huff nosed Henley's hand to encourage a chin scratch. He complied. Yika stepped over to the unconscious sensual. Summon him. Though he was loath to do it, Henley obeyed. Flamishdak, I know you're listening, you killdam goat. Come here. The beast appeared in his usual cloud of murkus green. Ollie hissed at Ika and then leapt down to bat Huff's ear. Huff ignored this and meowed at his favorite Yasnathan domain. Flamishdek bowed slightly to Huff and offered him a disgusting bit of meat from his pocket. Huff ran off with it, Ollie chasing after. See, Flamishdek said, spreading his arms, no circle needed to make me behave. 
All I require is respect. Henley thought what kept him in line was the cats. He respected them, so likely spared their bonded humans out of kindness. Finta and Yika were in more danger, but since Huff liked both of them, Henley thought they were safe too. The voluptuary's mind is... I've looked in there, the beast said, leaning over the woman. Even awake, I was never impressed with her. Did you know she once tried to use a light searer on me? A what? He put his huge paws close together. A bright gem, about this big, very dangerous. I believe you call it a bane eye. Very rude to wield one of those when a domain is simply trying to fulfill a bargain. Can you bring her back or not? The beast's hair smoke wafted up in wavy billows as the massive head tilted side to side. Hmm, very dangerous. If you slip into that void, you become uh, elongated, not pleasant. If I did draw her back, she would not be the same woman, not at all. Madness would be the least of her ailments. But I can attempt it for a price. And what is your price? Finta asked, voice firm, head up. She did not appear even slightly afraid of the beast. Mind you, I will grant you no kills. Flamishtak huffed and snorted. I've had my fill of killing. This city bores me with its mundane villainy, and the most delicious ones are too important. In his bargain with the Hargath, Flamishtak had gotten permission to commit many murders. Henley knew that the Domain had been seeking out the worst criminals in the city and slaying them, what he called villainy, not out of any sense of justice, but from a perverse sense of humor. Henley knew the creature's true reason for stopping its spree. The bargain had been struck with the Hargath, and that man was now dead, severing the permission from Flamishtak. The Demaid made a transparent shrug of false disinterest. I suppose there is one thing young Henley could assist me with. Turek Petoro has recently returned from a caravan expedition to the north. He claims to have news of Yothazandra's plans, which he would like to share with her enlightened majesty out of Patriotism, you see. How do you know of Tarek Petoro and his comings and goings? Henley demanded, more suspicious than ever. Fallow had told him how his father, Tarek, had tried to have him killed so that his younger brother, Denny, would be next in line. How does anyone know anything? Flamishtak asked, shrugging his huge shoulders. One roams about and hears things here and there. And what harm is there in making the introduction? You can tell her enlightened exactly who recommended Tarek to her. That ought to put her guard up sufficiently to protect against any duplicity on my part. I'll take him to Marlowe. He'll decide who gets an audience with her enlightened. I don't have that authority. And he didn't want it. I accept. The Mercus rose around the beast in intricate whirls as he dove into what little remained of the voluptuary's mind.
His claws lowered and extended toward the woman's face, fingers waggling in a totally unnecessary display of mysterious magic. The voluptuary responded to his movements with an arching back and a great, noisy exhalation. Her eyes popped wide and her head shook side to side. Flamishtak withdrew his hands and let the mercus go. Hair tendrils swirled up toward the ceiling, and his flaming eyes were banked to near darkness. He opened his mouth, then shut it again, leaning close to regard the woman's pale face. Finally, he straightened. She's back, mostly. I caution you all. I sense a wrongness in her. I'm not sure what it is for her mind thrusts me out as soon as she returned into this world. But mark me on this. She will not be the same woman you knew, and her connection to the Mercusine has been irreparably severed. He sounded as though he truly regretted that last bit. Tarek is waiting for you outside the baths, Henley. Ollie blurred into his arms and he demenced away. Henley couldn't shake the impression that Flamishtak was fleeing the place. Finta and Yika had moved to examine the voluptuary, who seemed to be struggling to wakefulness. Henley backed away, stomach souring. If Tarek had been waiting this whole time, but how could Flamishtak have known a bargain was in the offing? The voluptuary sat up and screamed, frantically pushing at her coverings and flailing at Yika's attempts to calm her. A crack resounded in the room, Yika's hand connecting with the woman's face. She went still, blinking hard. Yika? Finta? Henley started to back out of the room, but Finta held a finger up. Stay, young man. It took ten minutes and some special tea to calm the voluptuary, but she eventually accepted that she was surrounded by friends. The last thing I remember was standing on the execution platform in Dunmeadow Plaza. The prisoner had escaped. He had... You were in the Hargus thrall, sister, Finta said softly. Kyla removed his evil bond from you, but your mind was lost just for a while. How long? A month. A month. And yet I live. And that means the Hargath did not prevail. He is dead, voluptuary Sinlop, Henley said. Killed by Kylasai. The woman had no response to this. From the haggard look on her face, she found little relief in the news. And where is the girl now? at a Shadline gathering in Tierling. The dearth has called an armory, eh? I'm surprised it took them this long. Well, that is good. Perhaps they can come out from behind their secretive curtain and help in the battle to come. What battle? Henley asked, eyes narrowing. If the voluptuary had been unconscious this whole time, then she could not know of the threat Yathazandra posed. The woman returned his look, eyes very clear. I learned much where I was. The Domainic realms are in turmoil. Alliances shatter and new ones form. The call of night has gone out, and many seek passage into this world. It must be Kyla who brings kill forth, 
lest his essence be molded by night. Yika bent to the woman's ear. Henley's heightened senses did not pick up what was said due to the woman's accent. Truly, the voluptuary asked. Yika did not nod or speak, allowing instead for her stillness to confirm her statement. Henley remembered that the Alnasi woman had been on a mission for the voluptuary. She'd apparently just related whatever it was she'd learned. He did not want to know what it was. In fact, he felt a tingling urge to be gone, similar to what he'd felt in the dome earlier, a sense of being hemmed in, probably a memory of his time in the cell beneath the Cathedral of Till. But still... I have to go back to the citadel. Thank you for your wisdom, Finta. Voluptuary. He turned to go. Hold, the voluptuary commanded. By the tone of her voice, he knew he was cooked and kill-damned. He did not look back, but merely faced the direction he hoped to go and waited. Have you learned to dimense yet? I know the principles. You'll have to do better than that. You're going to Tordain. With respect, I am not essential for you to command. And I would not send one. You'll take Yika with you. She will show you what needs done. He did turn now. Which is? A return to your thievish ways. You want me to steal something? Why can't Yika do it? She's stealthier than I am. Only a Merculin, a very powerful one, can do this. Every word she said made the task sound worse, but he asked the inevitable question. What are you asking me to steal? The source of the Autarch's recent increase in power, a Mercus stone, the most powerful Mercus artifact ever known, the Motherlight. Finta's shocked reaction told Henley more than the voluptuary's words had. He had never heard of the Motherlight. But he knew of the Autarch, a woman of enormous mystery, having never been seen outside her palace for the past twenty years. She was reported to be richer than her enlightened and greedy for empire. Her armies had marched all over the southern peninsula a ten year ago, only to be beaten back by the combined forces of the city-states of Wanton, Jealousy, Sorgan, and Starside. You are sure she possesses the Mother Light? Fenta asked. It must be a recent acquisition, or the whole southern peninsula and the Covey Mest would be hers by now. The voluptuary's face looked soft as dripping candle wax. She made three false starts, then said, and so he must remove it from her grasp. Henley? The autarch is a Merculin? he asked. The idea startled him. While everyone knew that Starside's monarch had incredible powers, the rest of the world had formed laws to prohibit such people from rising to power. She is a... She is a... The voluptuary's lips drew back, a grimace of agony. Her body began to shudder, and her eyes rolled up into her skull. Henley recoiled as the woman's skin flashed over with scales. But just for a moment, 
before her crepey skin returned, the cabbagey stink of a kitchen middens pushed Henley further back, gagging. Huff charged from the room. A voice that was not the voluptuaries erupted from her mouth. I have her now. She began to rise, posture hunched, fingers curled into claws. Her lips had gone white, but they pulled up again. White teeth gleamed, not human, fangs. She's overwhelmed by a demean, Finta cried. She produced a small pouch from a pocket and fumbled to loosen the ties. Yika put her body between the elderly healer and the possessed voluptuary. Henley knew little demonic lore. He'd only recently learned that they were classified with names like Yasnathan and Dragnathan. This thing did not look like either of those. The voluptuary threw herself at Yika, arms rigid with strength beyond the limits of her flesh. Flaumishtak had warned she would not be the same woman. Henley had never imagined he meant it literally. Henley drew the Marcus to him, forming azure spheres over his palms, the glassy surfaces a swirl with black fear. Kyla fended off the voluptuary's unskilled swipes and lunges with sharp blocks and kicks. Clearly, she did not wish to harm the woman to whom she had sworn so much loyalty. She is no longer the one you served, Henley cried. Strike her down. Too late. Henley barely registered the bolts forming within the possessed woman before they released. Yika slumped as if all the strength had drained from her. Henley smelled the bolts of will shift, but these were laden with despair. So much so, he blinked away tears as the by-blow of the feet washed over him. The voluptuary was on Yika in an instant, hungry fangs flashing, seeking the Alnasi woman's throat. Finta shrieked and thrust her hand at her sister's face. With a hard puff from her lips, she blew a billow of dust into the voluptuary's eyes and mouth. The effect was instant and horrific. The voluptuary's eyes squeezed shut. Crimson tears traced down white cheeks. The mouth clamped shut, just short of biting Yika, and the voluptuary began to choke and wretch. The Mercus failed in her, and Yikas tumbled to regain her footing. Seeing his opening, Henley released both spheres. They took the voluptuary in the chest. She flew back into the wall and crumpled onto the bed. Finta staggered to her sister's body, thumbed back an eyelid, felt at her throat. Crystal tears streaming down her wrinkled face, she bent an ear to the voluptuary's chest. Oh, my dear sweet light, she's gone. Ah, me. Covering her face, Finta wept. Yika refastened her head covering and veil. What she felt, apart from cold rage, did not show in her gray eyes, eyes which were turned on Henley. I had to strike, he said. You did well. A sweet death. She strode toward him with such menace in her steps, he again gathered his murkous power to defend himself. But she swept past him. We leave in one hour.
Where should I meet you? I will find you. She left. Venta bade Henley help her straighten the voluptuary's body and cover it. She sniffed and coughed through these ministrations. When there was nothing left to do to set the voluptuary's bedchamber into order, she took him into the sitting room, Huff huddled under a chair. She must have struggled to retain control the entire time we spoke, Fintus said after a long silence. I do not know what class of domain possessed her, but surely nothing lower than a Balnathan. You saw how ravenous it was for life. Paul smiled that we banished it so swiftly, had it consumed any of Yika's blood. She trailed off and swallowed hard, but it did not. I'm surprised Flamishtak allowed such a creature into this world. He's been helping us. Helping? Flamishtak's aid serves his aims. If what you seek aligns with his schemes, he will surely assist you. But do not fool yourself that he has a beneficent bone in his body. He is a trickster, and chaos is his great amusement. She poured lukewarm tea into a cup and sipped. And yet he possesses knowledge we need. He taught me the power I just used against that thing in there. He taught me the principles of dimensing. He was the one who warned us about Yathazandra. And the cats love him. I did not say he wouldn't benefit you. I merely mean to point out he has no loyalty to you. When he brought my sister back, mine infected with a Baalnathan, perhaps he saw the main chance, a way to shortcut to his true aim. For such a domain, this world is a ready feast. If he wanted this world destroyed, then why hasn't he thrown in with Yathazandra? Perhaps he has? She set down her cup and smoothed her black skirt over her knees. I'll point out that his teaching Kyla to be more destructive has not served this city well. Henley had no counter to that. He respected Finta, and her words wormed into his mind. Can we trust your sister's demands that I steal the mother light? Or were those the Baalnathan's words? Baalnathan wouldn't have broken through to attack if its true aim was the mother light. It would have remained hidden until you brought it the relic. And I know the Autark well. If she possesses such an artifact, it must be removed from her grasp. And how do you know her? He wasn't sure he wanted to hear the answer. She is our sister, Saralina, the youngest of us and a brat, Finta stood. I suggest you prepare for your travels. Yika is not a patient woman. Henley kissed her cheek. It is a great blessing that you have been Carla's friend, he said warmly. I know she is grateful to you for all you did for Wen. Thank you for your counsel. I wish I could have done more for your sister. Her eyes welled and gleamed. Pressing a hand to his chest, she smiled. You have a kind heart, son. Before all is through, Kyla will have need of it. Go, complete this task, then find your girl. Direct Petoro stood on the street of the Diadem just outside of the Baths of Ori. 
same flop of lank black hair as Fallow, but a handsomer face. He looked like he had failed to eat for the past month. His chin was unshaven, and he had the haggard, droopy flesh around his eyes of an ancient woman. I am to take you to the citadel, Henley said to the man, bypassing greetings. Tarek was detestable for one simple fact. He had tried to have his own son murdered, sacrificing guards and drivers to make it look like a raid upon one of his caravans. Hold on to me, Henley offered an elbow. Seeing Huff on Henley's shoulder, the man recoiled. Do it! Whatever the man had endured, it had made him skittish. He jumped at Henley's sharp words and quickly obeyed. Henley formed the bolts, mostly out of irritation. If he was to leave Starside in an hour, he had no time to ride a carriage to the Citadel. Even so, trepidation filled his guts. He'd seen what a slight error in dimension could do. Quinn had lost a hand because of it. He released the feet and felt an icy wash over his flesh as he and Tarek Pitoro passed into dimension. They appeared a moment later in Marlowe's private office. The man jerked back in his chair, losing a sheaf of papers he'd been reading. Tills tears, boy. I nearly soiled myself. Apologies, Marlowe. Here is Tarek Pitoro. He was recently with Yatha Zandra, according to Flamishtak. He can report on what he saw at Serenhill. Henley didn't wait to hear Marlowe's objections. He went into the corridor and dimensed again, leaving a maid's screams behind. Now in his room, he began to shove his belongings into his satchel. There wasn't much to collect except a change of clothing and spare socks. The satchel held the crimson dragon scales he'd scavenged from the ash barons, a pouch of coin, and a knife given to him by Coin and Lena. He dimensed into the kitchens and searched out Kinnan Swile, mistress of kitchens, in her office. She looked up at him sharply. Are you the cause of the screams in my kitchens? I apologize for that. I dimensed pretty close to old ma'am. I need provisions for travel, quickly. Kinnan Swile was the calmest person he had ever met. Young for her position, she had the level eye of someone invulnerable to nonsense or scandal. Henley supposed she'd seen or heard everything in her role here. She called for a kitchen boy and scribbled a list of items. Gather this in a bag. None of it will spoil for a ten-day, she said after the boil had scurried off. After that, you're going to have to hunt or buy your food. Is there anything else? No, thank you. Loaded down with his provisions and his satchel, Henley moved to the courtyard. Ika was there. How she knew to be there at that moment was a question for the gods. Can you dimens us? I can dimense to jealousy. That's as close to Tordain as I've ever been. It will be dangerous. Hide your cat. Jealousians will eat him. She took hold of his arm. Huff squeezed into Henley's satchel, sending irritated fur-ruffle feelings through the bond. Henley formed the image in his head, hoping the docks had not changed location in the past three years. The Mercus bolts formed, and he and Yika slipped into dimension.